Earlier this week, while Pastor Jeff was restringing his guitars, I took my kids down to the Tidal Basin for a picnic lunch. You see, a lot of my oldest son, our son, a lot of his friends went on trips this past week for spring break. So being a pastor's kid, you can guess where he spent most of his time. You see, at the bus stop a couple uh, weeks ago, he asked, Dad, where are we going for spring break? My friends are going to all of these places that are a lot more fun than our house. Uh, And when he asked that, where are we going for spring break? I said, well, we're going to church. Being a pastor's kid has put the kibosh on their dreams of jet setting during spring break. But during our picnic down on the tidal basin, I had this like aha moment when my son uh, was explaining to my daughter what the Washington Monument was. We live in Grand Central Station for symbols that tell a story, or at least try to tell a story. Washington, D.C., Arlington, Virginia, and even in that heathen land called Alexandria. It's full of symbols that try to tell the story of who we are now where we have come from, how our communities were formed. And these symbols tell the story of the legacy that we hope to leave to our children and to their children. I bet you didn't know this, but along the National Mall, which is over a thousand acres, there are more than 100 unique monuments telling a specific story about a person, group of people, or an event. Hundred. You could go for, uh, you could hit one per week for two years and you still wouldn't see all of the monuments down on that thousand acre stretch from Lincoln up to the Capitol. Here in Arlington, we have monuments as well. In the 1930s, a wall was built just a few blocks from here. You've probably driven past it and didn't realize that it was there. It was called the Segregation Wall. It was designed to keep black citizens on that side of 17th Street for the new white community that was being built on this side of 17th Street. Woodlawn, the Woodlawn subdivision. That wall was not taken down fully. still there. But in in 1966, portions of it came down. And that wall remains today as a symbol, telling a story of our community's past so that our children will remember the mistakes that were made, and how symbols can be used to show ignorance, fear, hatred. In the church, we call that sin. And the consequence of our sin is death. Just as we begin Advent in the dark with the words of the prophet Isaiah saying, people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Today, we begin our Easter story in the darkness. The gospel writer tells us that early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from its entrance. Mary was heading to Jesus' tomb to mourn. St. Luke tells us that Mary uh, had brought fragrant spices with her. She was going to to resume the anointing that she had done a few weeks earlier in Lazarus' dining room. She wasn't expecting Jesus to have actually resurrected, although Jesus had told her and his disciples exactly what was going to happen. 
John 2.19, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Mark 14.58, I will destroy this temple made with human hands and in three days will build another not with human hands. Mark 8.31, he began to teach them, his disciples, the growing crowds, that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Jesus wasn't just making this stuff up. He quoted Psalm 118 saying, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Over and over again, throughout his ministry, Jesus is using symbols that are familiar to his audience. Telling them precisely how the story would end. And still, Mary went to the tomb on the third day with anointing spices for a funeral. Mary had been there with Jesus on the Mount of Olives. When he said, bring me that donkey, and there was the parade into the city, and people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. She was there when that happened. She was in the upper room when he said, this is my body given for you and broke bread. She was there when he raised the cup and gave thanks and said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you. She walked alongside Jesus as he carried his cross, a symbol telling the story of the might of Rome. As he carried that execution device, to a place called the skull. Mary saw with her own eyes the darkness of sin and death. And now she's weeping. What was gone and what could have been. From chapter 1 through our reading today, the Gospel of John tells a story rich with symbols to aid the reader in connecting with each movement of Jesus. The Gospel of John begins with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and that life was light to all. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And if we want to jump all the way back, way, way, way back to the book of Genesis, we begin in darkness, and we learn that in the darkness, the light the light that John wrote about in chapter 1, the light of God, the love of God that casts out darkness, swept across the dark waters of the deep and brought forth light. God said, let there be light, and separated the light from the darkness. Light and darkness, symbols of the divine and our separation from God pervade the Gospel of John. I mean, using light and darkness, Jesus tells his disciples of the implications of following him. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will always have the light of life. This past week, as we moved through Holy Week, the darkness became more and more intense. If we had stopped the story on Friday night, or even Saturday morning, the darkness of sin and death would have been victorious. Symbols like a rooster crowing, 30 pieces of silver, a nail, or a cross 
would hold a, a heavier weight in our lives, if actually any weight at all. Because if the story of Jesus stops on Friday or Saturday morning, he would not be remembered. He would not be worshipped today. If the story had stopped on Friday or Saturday, the victory of sin and death would have been permanent. And Jesus would have just been another Jew killed by the Roman Empire. But we know that's not how the story ends. This morning is a celebration of the gospel good news that sin and death and all of the symbols that come with them do not hold the last word. The very thing Mary went to the tomb to confront and mourn is no more because of the love of God in Jesus Christ. Easter is not just a celebration that the tomb was empty. In the crucifixion and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see how the darkness of this world has been overcome and will ultimately be annihilated by God. Mary arrived in the garden at night, expecting to weep and mourn. But the rising of the sun revealed the victory of the sun, living and breathing with no need for his burial clothes. Jesus' physical, real presence in the emptiness of the tomb echoed what Jesus had said to Mary's sister, Martha, at the graveside of her brother, Lazarus. Jesus said at Lazarus' grave, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even though they may die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So do you believe this? Do you believe this is a story with its symbols and darkness and light? Do you believe in this story? Whether they fully understood what had just happened, Peter, John, each of the disciples at the tomb, including Mary, responded as Martha did when Jesus asked her the dinner side question. Lord, I do believe that you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God who's come into the world. Who's come into the world casting light into darkness. A light so bright that any darkness of this world will not overcome it regardless of how strong those symbols are in our mind. And so the question again is, do you believe this? Let our answer be the same as Martha's and Mary's and all of the disciples. Yes, Lord, we believe that you are the Messiah. You have come into the world to give us new life to, so that we can go and transform the world and that receiving eternal light and life, it's a gift in the name of Jesus Christ. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.